Welcome to Collision Cast, Fenderbender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Paul Hodwanek, staff writer for Fenderbender, and today we have a copyover of an Adapt Automotive podcast, one of our sister publications. Our digital editor, Noah Brown, talks with Susanna Gotch of the CCC, detailing some results from the CCC crash course report. I'll let Noah intro it and get you into it, but make sure if you haven't checked out Adapt Automotive, adaptautomotive.com and Adapt Automotive Podcast, make sure to do so. They're giving you all the insight that you need to know on advanced driver technology and where the industry is going. So if you haven't already subscribed to that podcast and uh, go check them out online. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Adapt Podcast. I'm digital multimedia editor Noah Brown. Over the last month, we've talked quite a bit about emerging trends in ADAS and other driver assist technologies on the show, but one key aspect of the tech that we haven't touched on yet is how the customer is reacting to it. Recently, in its crash course report, CCC Intelligence Solutions surveyed over 200 drivers about several facets of ADAS implementation and how it affects both their purchasing and driving habits. Adapt Automotive spoke with Susanna Gotch of CCC about the results of the survey and the overall outlook for the ADOS marketplace in the coming years. To start, though, we talk about why there is some hesitation around ADOS systems in the first place. You know, like any new technology, um, it, it isn't foolproof. Um, and I think one of the things that um, you know, it's important to keep in mind is that it, it, it's a broad umbrella and so that there are a variety of features um, that are lumped into that overall category. And each OE um, actually implements that technology differently and it's sort of a uh, their secret sauce, so to speak. And so um, some will use cameras that they'll mount, you know, behind the grill or they'll have sensors mounted on the periphery of the bumper, front and rear bumper, um, you know, in the doors. Uh, others will use LIDAR. Uh, others will use radar. It, it, you know, they vary in terms of where they mount. And so subsequently, there's a pretty wide variation in how effective they are in certain types of situations in terms of either warning the driver or um, taking action on behalf of the driver. And so it's a new technology. Um, Automakers have been introducing it uh, relatively quickly uh, in the last several model years, but prior to that, it was primarily only on luxury vehicles. And like a lot of new features, that's often where new features get introduced is on luxury vehicles, and then it trickles down into more of the mainstream. And it really wasn't until, you know, sort of 19, or 2015 um, that 20 automakers agreed uh, without NHTSA uh, making a mandate that automakers had to include these features, that they would voluntarily uh, equip their vehicles of 8,500-pound curb weight uh, minimally with automatic emergency braking by 2022. So they volunteered to, um, and, and by doing so, to a certain extent, they sort of gave themselves a bit more flexibility in terms of the implementation as well and the guidelines for how it should be um, determined that it met the criteria. 
So as part of that commitment, they um, they committed to demonstrating that their vehicles uh, were equipped with minimally automatic emergency braking, so front crash avoidance and front uh, automatic emergency braking. And what it does is it essentially uh, they have to meet two crash tests from uh, IIHS, Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, and two from um, NHTSA. Regardless, uh, so there's a wide variety in terms of how those systems work, and each automaker's implementation of it varies, and so how effective it it, um, does varies as well. And I think we've all been trained from driver's ed that you have to be in charge of your vehicle. And so now you're essentially introducing features that are, are telling the consumer, no, I got this, but they're not entirely comfortable with it. Cause it, it is a, it's a new technology and it, it, um, I think there's, there's two camps. There's people that maybe rely on it too much, uh, assuming it does more than it, it should. And then there are others that are much more skeptical. And I think to a certain extent, it also, um, varies based on, um, the age of the driver and when they first get exposed to that. So I think of um, my daughter who's 20, who when she backs up, she is used to having a camera, right? So she she looks around very briefly, but then she backs up and she doesn't continue to look behind her. Uh, she just looks at the, at the camera and the display. Uh, whereas, you know, myself who was trained without a camera for many years, I continue to always look around. And um, I think it's 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 kind of how you grow up, what you're what you're trained with, and how how comfortable you are just in terms of the use of the technology. So through the research that you guys have done, what do consumers see as some of the primary upsides and drawbacks of uh, the ADOS technology? And then same question, but with OEMs. Right. So I think, you know, um, if you look at, at, the, at the historically what consumers are looking for out of a vehicle, um, there's an inherent understanding that to a certain extent driving a vehicle is risky, right? You know, there are traffic accidents, there are tra- traffic fatalities. Um, so they want to keep their family safe. And that was uh, verified by the, by the survey research, you know, so that the respondents found um, indicated that one of the primary reasons why they chose to look for a vehicle with ADAS is because the safety and, and they want to keep their family safe. And so um, that's pretty, um, pretty consistent with um, what we know historically about uh, what consumers are looking for in vehicles. Um, the other, you know, most frequent reason was, um, you know, they want to make their life easier. So it's sort of a a convenience item, you know, so like I don't always have to turn my neck if I'm changing lanes because I have a blind spot or lane departure warning system that's going to help me. Um, and so it, it, it really kind of, but largely the majority um, had to do with safety. So for OEMs, how can the results from this survey, both positive as to why people use ADOS technologies and how they use it safely, but more so the negatives, why they're not using it or how they're using it maybe a little too much, relying on a little too much. How can both of those help inform OEMs to make better systems and more practical, usable systems? Um, So I think, you know, I think there's uh, the OEs, certainly that, you know, their engineers, um, what they 
what they do, obviously, is they look at, they, they build a certain system. There are crash tests that they're doing internally to, you know, verify that the technology is operating the way that they desire. Um, they have certain thresholds that they have sort of um, said that they're wanting to achieve. And, you know, they work to, towards uh, getting to those thresholds. But at the end of the day, it's also about, is my feature um, competitive and is it is it a feature that might in some shape or form be perceived as being better than the same feature offered by my competitor and will it help me sell more vehicles? And so um, it's it's also knowing, for example, uh, which vehicles to put those features on, right? So if you've got a, um, like I think of, um, you know, one automaker, uh, they went from very few uh, of their vehicles um, having the, any of any types of the, um, uh, they were way behind on meeting that AEB commitment. And then they made a decision starting this model year, it was, I think it was 2019 model year, they took their top six selling models and just made it standard. And so they made a, you know, they made that jump because they, they knew that safety is paramount for uh, most buyers. And um, in order for their top six vehicles to remain as on the list for people, um, they needed to do that. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you are, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the Adapt podcast and to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Check out the latest news on emerging trends and technologies on AdaptAutomotive.com. Now, back to the interview. It's kind of shifting gears a little bit. It seems that ADOS is coming regardless. And whether people are going to adopt it or not, it's just going to become more standard as the years go on. Looking into, I guess just in general, since uh, Adapt Automotive, the publication that we do, is meant primarily for repair shops, independent repair shops. How can independent repairers take the data collected from the survey and use it to improve their shop experience? So I think two things. One is, I mean, the the the, the survey clearly shows that um, there's a people are interested in this technology. Their number one reason for purchasing it is safety. And so as a repairer, as they have customers come in with these types of systems, appearing informed about the technology, helping the consumer know that, look, I know your car has this safety system. We have the the equipment. We have the procedures in place to ensure that this um, equipment is repaired properly and brought back to pre-accident condition and will operate uh, as intended uh, pre-accident. And I think uh, because it is it is a safety feature, the more confidence that they can place in the consumer that they know what they're doing to help ensure that this stuff is repaired properly is probably paramount, I, I would say probably the most important thing. Because the other, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, what the, the data survey shows, which is even prior to some of the ADAS questions was historically people choose a repairer based on uh, proximity, um, you know, reviews, uh, friends and family, or even just public reviews. And so, you know, some of the, the work that CCC has done with our CarWise solution over the years is specifically to help repairers do that. So to get out 
reviews, positive reviews. So people that don't know what shop they want to choose, they have a place to go and very quickly be able to determine based on, okay, you know, this is where I want to, how far I want to drive. You know, this is the uh, type of shop um, that certifications that I, I think um, either my insurance company recommended that they have, or um, this is the shop that, um, you know, has best reviews. So, you know, enabling that. And then again, for the ADAS, uh, um, it's an additional element why people would be comfortable choosing somebody that came with high um, score, you know, recommendations. So last uh, ADOS question for you here, kind of a two-parter. Uh, right now, it, just with all of the positives and negatives associated with uh, ADOS and the habits that it enforces uh, in drivers who use it, is ADOS a net positive right now? And if it is, what will it take for more drivers to widely accept it as a positive? So when you when you look at the ADAS systems, I think it's 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 pretty important to understand um, some of the key differences. Specifically, there are ADAS features that will um, take over on behalf of the driver in a potential crash situation, like automatic emergency braking. Those uh, rear automatic emergency braking and front have been shown to be very effective in helping to reduce um, primarily sort of direct front to rear types of crashes. And so um, in those situations, the driver doesn't have to do anything, right? So the driver may be driving, uh, they don't, they're not aware that there's traffic stopping in front of them, but the car is aware and all of a sudden uh, stops the vehicle on behalf of that driver. Um, that's a positive, right? Because that, that avoids, helps avoid the crash. Um, it's a scary moment, but it, it, you know, helps avoid it. The, the challenge is that the, there are additional features that are allowing people to, um, essentially disengage from the driving experience altogether. So, you know, automatic emergency braking is also, taking action when it's, you know, on behalf of the driver, but things like, um, adaptive cruise control with the lane departure warning, sort of like the, um, the, uh, GM product, uh, super cruise, the Tesla autopilot, uh, Subaru has their adaptive cruise control with the lane departure. Kia has its system, you know, Volvo has its co-pilot. Those systems where you essentially set, the vehicle in sort of adaptive cruise control or semi-autonomous mode, the challenge really is that from until you get to full autonomy, you still rely on the human to be able to take over from the vehicle at any given point. And that's that's the challenge, right? Because um, people are um, inclined to disengage mentally very quickly, and um, the vehicle is asking them to stay engaged. But let the car drive. And so those are kind of the, I think it's those features of the ADAS that are posing some of the biggest challenges um, because they um, they operate well, but then there are situations where they no longer operate and they there's an expectation that the driver will immediately take over. And we know human behavior doesn't necessarily uh, facilitate that that well. So um, I think until, so, so I think the biggest challenge is that is managing that human machine interface. All right, those are all the questions that I have regarding AI. I've got a couple more that Anna wanted me to ask, but uh, in terms of, uh, not AI, ADOS, in terms of ADOS, is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't ask about? 
Um, no, I think, you know, it's, uh, what's, you know, the, the challenge I think for when you look at, um, ADAS really is, um, the, the wide variation in the impl- implementation of how it's done, each carrier or each uh, OEM may package the features differently. And so, um, you know, one of the things that was interesting is when we looked at some of the specific around people's interest in uh, ensuring that if they rented a car, whether that the rental car had some of those features, um, you know, each OE has a different name for their features as well. And so that can be confusing how it gets displayed, if it's operational or not, you know, on your dash might vary. So I think, um, you know, one of the challenges is going to be, is will we see some greater standardization? Because ultimately that also would help the repair community uh, understand, you know, the procedures for bringing that stuff back up to pre-accident condition, because there's a, a very wide range in requirements as it relates to uh, ensuring that that is um, been calibrated uh, properly uh, after the accident. And that's all we've got for you here on the Adapt Podcast. I'm Noah Brown. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Music